From Santa Barbara, California, the Timeless Voyager series, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. Interviews with leading-edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial encounters, government cover-ups, alternative health care, new technologies. Fasten your cosmic seatbelts and join me, your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes, the Timeless Voyager. Hello, everyone. Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager. Now, today's guest is paranormal show podcaster Andy Decodes. He's well known to many in the realm of high strangeness. Now, you can find Andy on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Pandora, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. He's everywhere. And now he's here. Now, today, we're going to talk about his personal experiences with UFO ET phenomena, which, you know, it's growing more and more each day in the media, mostly, I think, because people are ready to accept the idea that we are not alone in the universe. Apparently, NASA is no longer hiding the many photographs and firsthand stories, videos, of these incredible crafts, which defy our understanding of cosmic laws. So, without further ado, let me introduce all of you to my guest today, Andy Decodes. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. All right, I like your background. That's pretty cool. That that's real, by the way. I was going to say it. That <laughs> looks like it's real. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Spending a lot of time on Amazon and eBay. Put it yeah, that way. Nice. Very no, nice. It didn't cost that much. It was just a couple of bits at a time and just building it up gradually. It looks great. So, thank um, you. Tell, tell the uh, viewers that, that I'm dealing with right now a little bit about your background and, 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 and what you've been doing. You have a number of different shows. Maybe you can include that too. Yeah. Right. So obviously I'm UK based. I'm just north of London probably about an hour's away, an hour north of London. Um, so I've always been into supernatural, paranormal, whatever you want to call it, since being as far back as I can remember, like three, four years old. And I was, I've been in all these different Facebook groups, watching YouTube videos, used to watch Hammer House of Horror growing up and the zombie movies, Frankenstein, all the Dracula stuff, always been into it. And then as these Facebook groups are getting bigger and more and more people joining, I thought, you know, why don't I just start doing my own? So during lockdown, and I'll always remember the date because it was uh, Halloween, it was like 31st of October, I think it's 2019, if I'm correct on the year. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do set all these up. So I set up the Facebook I did a website, Instagram, got got it all ready in the background, but then didn't know what I was going to do with it. But at the time, I didn't realize that as soon as you open a Gmail account, you automatically get your YouTube 
and with every YouTube account you get, you have your own channel. So speaking to a few different people about it, I realised that I've got this YouTube channel going because my initial reason um, with the Facebook group was to go out and do Facebook Lives, to do live recordings, going out doing investigations at night, during whatever time, depending where we was going and what we was doing. So first couple was on Facebook Live and then chatting to friends and that, and they said, why don't you use YouTube? And they explained everything to me. A couple of people helped me set it up. So then I went on to YouTube, and I was going out doing paranormal investigations. And then we got the second wave of lockdown, and I didn't want to stop doing anything on the channel because I'd just got it going. There's only had like a handful of people following, but to me that, that was the start. I didn't want to start it, then pack it in, and then not bother. I wouldn't be doing this where I am now. <clears throat> so, speaking to some people in the group, and at the time I had a co-host that, well, just had this co-host, Deborah. Um, she's now not working with me. She's gone off doing her own thing, which that, she started doing that in January. So for the eighteen months ish previous, um, rather than not doing anything with the channel. We decided, right, why don't we get guests on? Just people that have had encounters, experiences, people that take other people's accounts and even put them in a book, write them down, whatever they do with them. So got in contact with a few different people. So when we wasn't going out investigating, we was getting people on the show. So then as we're coming back out of lockdown, it was more, it was a bit of doing investigations, then the odd week we'd, we'd have a guest. So we just built it up like that. We could go, and all this is live. I did do some pre-recordings, but I don't like pre-recordings. Not on a live, <laughs> not on a live investigation. Right, Only because, one, to be honest, I can't be bothered doing all the editing because of how long and how time-consuming. Yeah, and getting it right, getting the. Do I leave this bit out? Do I put that bit in? And I thought, you know, if they see it from beginning to end, and sometimes it was from the point of me leaving my house to getting back home and everything else in between. So what you see is what you get. So I, we could do an hour and a half, two hours of a live investigation, get nothing. A lot of the time we got, we did get nothing. But there's them few little bits and pieces where you pick up an EVP, the EMF meter would go off for no reason. You would hear whispering or something moving and there's nothing else about. So that's that's really how it started. And then the Facebook group was for me to upload onto there and then anybody else interested in this kind of stuff, for them to put their thoughts and their videos and images and so on. So it just built up like that. And then it kind of... So for me going out and being a paranormal investigator, as of, I'd say, around about the middle, beginning to middle of last year, it's kind. Of, I've gone from being an investigator now to more of a podcast host. I'm doing more hosting and interviewing than I am going out investigating. It didn't. It wasn't through choice. It just kind of fell into place that way. Still go out investigating, but I'm not doing it every week. I still want to get out there and investigate and do what I what what I want to do. But with it being in England, the weather isn't that good, so. A lot of the time, because of the equipment and it's all electrical, 
and most of it's rechargeable. If it's wet or damp weather, and most of the investigations we do are outside, um, in fields, cemeteries, um, derelict buildings, all that kind of stuff, it's to me it's not worth the risk of damaging all that equipment because it's not cheap to replace. So we have to wait for the probably spring, summer months to actually go out and do stuff, which it's a bit. It's annoying because some days where you just want to go out and do something and you can't do it due to the weather. But I have got a few uh, upcoming events that are going to be indoor. So I'm doing one on Saturday at a local gym. So it's a kickboxing gym. So we're going to go and set the cameras up. Then we're going to go back later on um, in the evening and going to do a TikTok live stream from there. Then we're going to do a YouTube live stream. I'm going to keep them down to a minimum. And then we're just going to carry on for the next couple of hours, taking photos, recording some videos, got um, digital recorder, analog recorder, night vision camera with IR lights. I'm not taking loads of different things, but enough to set up in different parts of the building. And then I've got a pendulum and dowsing rod. So I'm going to try that as well, but I'm going to do it off camera. Going to record it, but not going to do it as a live Sure. Oh, excuse me. But as well, like you're saying, with the live stream of an investigation, there for two, two, two and a half hours and get absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's yeah. not too bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and yeah, but then if something does happen, I will yeah. always try and, I suppose the word, debunk it. So I spoke, I was speaking about this earlier. So there's one we was in a local cemetery and me and the girl, Ali, that comes out investigating with me, we were sat on a bench. So we set up the EMF meter. I'm not sure if I had the digital recorder at the time. So we just sat there trying to see if we can get a response. And because it's done by YouTube on StreamYard, we get the viewers' um, comments coming through as we're, doing the stream so someone mentioned about they could see these orbs some red and some like a yellowy white color so they told me where they were i you take a laser pointer with me as well especially because it's at night so if someone says they see something i can use that as a as a pointing device right so i can specify the pinpoint where it is that they're talking about so we found out where they meant and then we worked out because there's two roads, one that run was running behind us and one that was running 90 degrees on our left-hand side. And what it was, the height of this particular headstone, which was um, glazed marble, because of the angle of that, vehicles that were coming down that was an SUV or bigger, the lights were hitting the corner of it and then oh. cutting across and vanishing. So it did look like there was orbs. But it was just a reflective <laughs> light going through the bushes on these certain heighted vehicles. So we managed to debunk it. But I could have sat there and gone, oh, my God, these orbs everywhere with right. being plagued by them. Exactly. But I'm not going to do that. If it's not something, I'm not going to say it is. It, I'm not going to lie about what we do because I don't see – you just this, you are discrediting yourself by doing that. So to All me, right, so what you see I, is what you get. Okay, so 
let's talk a little bit about uh, you, you started telling me about an experience you had and uh, we have some uh, pictures so yes. um how how do we start that one do we start with the uh tell me which one of these uh, do you want to start with the drawing and then the one with what looks like a nuts and bolts ufo like at a similar angle so this one is from what I recall the first UFO encounter that I had. So I was around, so I was born in 1973. So this was around 19. So I just got to work out my fingers. <laughs> I'm no good at maths. So. so around about 1981, 82 ish. So I had got a bank for Christmas. And I think this was around about Easter time because it was very damp, very wet. And my mum didn't want me to go out on my bike when it had been raining in case I fall off and hurt myself. So I grew up on a housing estate. There's only there's less than 100 houses on this estate where I grew up, and there's a few different streets and avenues coming off it. The street that I grew up on, there's only 10 houses. So I was allowed to go to a certain point on the estate and then like stay in that like specific area so none of my friends were coming out it was a saturday afternoon so i'm just riding around riding through the puddles making getting soaked and getting everything wet and then for some reason i'd ridden around to the next street so i come out the street turned left and then the next house the house on the next corner going into the next the street after that I'd been in there, come back round, and I stopped on the corner house. And for some reason, I just looked straight up above me. There's no, I don't remember there being any noise, any reason for me to look up. And directly above me, this is what I could see. But it was like a two-tone gunmetal grey. It wasn't at this angle. It was like the complete underbelly. So to me, it's like a two-dimensional. It wasn't what you see now. So you had the outer circle... And see where you've got the five white circles and five white dots going round it. They went all the way around on the outside. Then the middle bit, that was a different shade of like silver or grey. Sorry. And um, so that was another smaller circle inside. And then I think, I'm not 100%, there's like a tiny fine circle inside that each time i talk about this i kind of remember a little bit more not a lot just that little bit time just that smaller detail of what i was looking at so i was sat on my bike so hands on the grips just looking straight up i don't know how long i was there and i've said this every single time it could have been two minutes it could have been two hours i re- honestly i don't know and then I put my head back down because I was getting neck ache. And then when I look back up, nothing. Completely gone. There's no humming noise. It did as I'm looking at it, there's no movement from it. I'd say it was around about 150 to 200 feet directly above me. There was nobody else about. And like I said, it wasn't a big housing estate. So there wasn't that in the early 80s, there weren't that many cars around there anyway. Um I think out of the 10 houses in the street where I grew up, there's only two people that had cars. So it wasn't now, busy. Have a, we have a, a picture of a, an actual photograph of, of uh, what you think 
is uh, the way it might have looked yeah. to you. How, so if you one? could, yeah. So if you could imagine looking at the underbelly of that, it was kind of that color. And if I was to guess what the upper part of it was like, I'd say it was a dot. It was your typical flying saucer, hmm. like your nuts and bolts flying saucer. So the, I don't recall any vehicles going past. I don't recall seeing anybody there's no cats no i don't recall seeing any animals or nothing and there's a lot of people that had dogs and cats on mm. the estate as well i don't recall seeing any of that it was just me on my bike and this above my head so it was uncharacteristically quiet yeah for a saturday afternoon huh. very because there was a small uh, corner shop down at the bottom of the estate and the only way so to get into the estate, there's one about three quarters of the way up and then another road right at the bottom where the shop was. So anybody going to the shop, the easiest way was to walk down the main, it's called Beachfield Road, to walk down there, turn right at the bottom, and then the shop's just down there on the left. That was the easiest way for anyone to get to the shop and anyone coming back. Don't recall seeing anybody mm. at any time during this, but then... I'm looking straight up anyway, so I wouldn't have seen anybody walking past me. Hmm. And that was that. How I don't... Did you, do you remember how you felt at the time by any chance? or or Didn't feel anything diff- out of the ordinary. Um, you, how old were you? About uh, like I'd 10? I'd say 7 or 8. Between, yeah. I'd say between 7 and 9. I can't quite pinpoint the exact age. But you weren't, you weren't scared because most kids are not no. scared like that it's interesting see i wasn't but i never spoke to anyone about it didn't tell me parents i've got one brother didn't speak to him about it i then after seeing it i just then got back pedaling on my bike and carried on playing out for a bit till i got hungry and went in <laughs> and that that was it i know it, it does sound ridiculous but that's what happened well i don't know yeah. it's not ridiculous it's just that sometimes people I think people expect more yeah. from an encounter than what an encounter really was. And I think yeah. that's what causes people to embellish the stories in the first place because it's so drab and yeah. so simple, you know, they just yeah. can't, they tell the story and then pretty soon they realize they look at the faces of the people and it's like, what else happened? And so they go, well, and then they start. Yeah. To make- I would make loads of stuff up and add all these different things, but, that's not what happened. This is what happened. I sat mm. looking at it, turned my head, put my head down, looked back up, it had gone. What is the story that you have about the Huey aircraft? Right. Or, so I part, think this is, is in relation part? to this okay. sighting. Sorry, me, didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, it's okay. Um, this is the Huey, or this is a picture yeah. of the Huey. Uh, yeah, so this is very similar. I don't know if it's the same, because I know nothing about helicopters. Like I said to you, I know an Apache or Huey or whatever, and then I know a Chinook, and that's it. Everything else in between, I couldn't even give you a make or model or anything. I just well, I don't want to say I know. I didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I just, we, we, originally, just for those of you who are watching, originally there was a picture that um, that Andy had and for some reason, the, the, the pixel, it was too pixel, uh, pixelated. So 
I thought we would look real quickly for yeah, another yeah. possibility. It looked and, like a kid's drawing. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> but what you told me is interesting, and I want you to tell tell the listeners and the viewers. Right. So, I so the house that I said is only ten houses, and we lived in a semi-detached one at the end of the street on the right. So you've only got four houses before you get to where the house I grew up. So it's a big, big back garden, probably about 150 foot long, 60, 70 foot wide. And then there's a tree line. Then behind that, there's a park, like with swings and a roundabout and slide. Then behind that, there's some allotments like to the side. But then behind that is just fields. There's, there's an old sewerage works. That, that had been, I don't know. I think it was still active at the time, but not long after it got shut down. Then behind that, there's like an area for walking, just a green area. Then you've got a college, so you've got a couple of sports fields and that on there. Then after that, you've got a golf course. So it's just a lot of nothing, just a lot of greenery. Now, the street is built at an angle, so it goes to a point, and I'm on the right-hand side of that one. Then the next street down, where I had this UFO encounter on the con, that was at the um, start of the street. So the last house that you can see from where my bedroom window was, or is, that you can just about see the last house at an angle to where we are, and the gardens backed onto each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in my bedroom. Um, I used to spend a lot of time just looking out the window, just looking at the skies and the scenery and all that, because uh, it's not far, because I grew up in Manchester, that's where I'm from originally, which is in the northwest of the UK. And the flight path for the airport, you could see the planes, more so at night. So when they're circling, waiting to land, you could see three or four planes just going round and round, waiting for their turn to come in and um, land. I forgot what I was right. going to say then. <laughs> yeah. So it was good at night because you got all the different lights and you just watch it and go around. So and obviously sometimes during the day. And then there's an aerodrome not so far away as well. So there's a lot of light aircraft that use that. And that was similar flight paths. So spend a lot of time looking out the window. Anyway, for whatever reason, I'm looking out the window and I see this helicopter. And it just comes right in. So it's all military, like that. There's two people in there. Even the helmets that they're wearing are exactly the same as what, or the shape of them, of what I can see. It had the guns on the side. I don't know if it was like, it didn't have the outer guns, where you've got the two, I don't know what you call them, the rifle type guns sticking it out. It was more like the cannons either side that would like, rotation so it definitely had them it was a very similar color to that if it wasn't that color and it came right down and it was literally in the garden and it got to the point where it was tipped forward so i the the level of the bedroom window it's only first floor it's only like two-story building i was looking like i'm looking at us now on the screen is like i'm looking into the cockpit of this helicopter the pilot, which who was sat on the left-hand side, if you're inside the helicopter, so as we're looking at the right-hand side, that was the pilot. He had the full 
He had the helmet on, the reflective goggles. And you could clearly see he was controlling it. Now, he had, might sound... Well, it's not going to sound daft, but it's all part of what happened. So he had a moustache. The guy sat next to him, who you can clearly see his face. That's pretty... Had, that was must have been really close to be able to see these details. He's about 30 foot away. Because like I said, we had a big back garden. So... I mean, those... And, those those uh, uh, helicopter, um, I don't know what they're called, the, the blades. The blades yeah. would be at least uh, 25 feet. Yeah. Well, this is, and this is what I, ca- I don't understand by what went on. So I could see the co-pilot. He had a mustache. You could even tell the top. He had a mullet. You could see the sort of haircut <laughs> he had. He had... Dark hair, he was going grey. I'd say he was in his mid-50s. Now, the pilot, he seemed a lot younger. I'd say late 20s, 30s. I remember this like it happened this morning. This is the creepy part about it. If I was to draw it, I could draw it to detail of how it looked to the point of what they were wearing, how just everything about it. Didn't see any markings on the helicopter. It was, like I said, it was that greeny, it wasn't camouflage, but it was that dark green military colour. And I don't ever recall any noise coming from it. So you can hear the, as a helicopter's approaching. Right, right, exactly. Thousands of feet away. Don't ever remember that. But the way it was manoeuvring, so like I said, there's four houses on that side. Where we lived, it was we lived in like a semi-detached. So it's one house there, one house there. Then there's another two semi-detached. Then another row of four. No, three, four, five. yeah, it's three, two, two, three. Yeah, there's ten houses. So the end of the last. The three, three in a row, and then ours, there's like a 10 foot gap between the houses. But then, because we built at an angle, the gardens went out like that. So, the further down the garden, the wider the gap. And it was maneuvering in the back garden between the houses, and it was doing something like you would see at an air show. It was upside down, doing loop, like loop the loop. I don't know if it was going backwards, but it was it was dipping to the left and dipping to the right, and it was just doing all these like you'd see, like I said, like you'd see at an air show. But as I'm looking, as it first approached, and I'm looking into the cockpit, I'm looking directly at the pilot and co-pilot. At no point did the co-pilot make any eye contact with me. Now I couldn't see the pilot because he had the reflective. Right, like the full goggles on. Sorry. So they must have been mirrored because I couldn't see his eyes. So it had some sort of film over him. And I'm watching it, and it's like, why are they not looking at me? And But the main concern, even though I'm only, say, 10, 11 years old, I was prob- I'd say I was nearer, I'd say, 9 or 10. I was a little bit younger, so it wasn't long after this initial sighting. Is a lot closer than I originally thought. Hmm. It had the guns on him, and it was doing all this manoeuvring, but I ended up 
we was my mum shouted me for us to go out. I don't know where we was, we was probably going shopping or something. I don't know if it was off school, if it was a holidays, if it was a weekend. I really couldn't tell you that. So that'd be a guess. So say it was say it was Saturday afternoon. So she called me to come down because we was going out. So I come downstairs and I'm saying to her, I'm just watching watching this helicopter. She went, Oh, come on, come on, we're gonna be late. So as she's walking out the house, I turn I'm turning round looking at this helicopter and it's still doing all this stuff. It's above the houses. Nobody else is coming out. My mum's so no, not nobody is actually seeing or hearing this except you. Just me. So my mum's probably about twenty foot in front of me. So she's nearly at the top of the street. I'm just coming out the gate. So I'm turning around and she's telling me to hurry up. I'm watching this helicopter. It's like, just hurry up. So my mum didn't even acknowledge that there's anything going on. But I I was talking about this on the stream that I do and someone asked me about sound. And it's like, I don't ever recall any noise coming from it. There was no draft coming from the blades. There was nothing. And yeah, then I mean, something that was this big it, in an it area was there, about, yeah. it, it would be just commotion and dust and it would be ridiculous. It, yeah. It must have been there for at least five minutes for it to do all this different. Cause I, I said I was watching it without probably without blinking. I did not take my eyes off it only to come downstairs because the stairs so were at the you, front of the house. With an, what do you think it was? I dis I didn't dismiss it. I just never thought about it until earlier on this year. And I was interviewing somebody and do you know when someone says something and it just triggers? Yes. It absolutely. was a trigger moment. I'm like, Oh my god, I now know what this is all about. So there's no noise. There's only me and my mum there. My mum did not acknowledge it at all. Because if my mum didn't acknowledge it, she'd have said, oh, that's a bit low. wonder what it's doing. There was none of that. That conversation never happened. Um, I don't know where my brother was. I know my dad was working because he used to work like shifts. So a lot of the time he was, he was either working or fishing. And nobody else was about. And <laughs> the neighbours that I had, without being horrible to him, were nosy. So as soon as something like that, they would have been out on the doorstep looking up at it. Oh, everybody would have been out. This is yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. So the only thing I it's some sort of cloaking hologram, I don't know, but I don't ever believe now up until this year, I always thought it was a helicopter. But after digging and into it and trying to find stuff out, I don't believe that it was. I believe Basically, you're, saying, you're thinking that this is a type of cloaking device yeah. that was projected, I guess, for you only. Which yeah. this is not this is not a new concept for people who have actually seen UFOs or investigators to face the idea that for some reason the uh whatever the uh technology and it may not even be technology, but whatever it is, these quote unquote uh, ETs or, or people who ride new UFOs, whatever it is they have, apparently is so sophisticated that they can zero in on one person and one yeah. person only and no one else sees it. Yeah. Yeah, I strongly believe that. 
So early, like I said earlier on this year as well, have you heard of Jessica Jones? She's the uh, cryptid huntress. The what? The cryptid huntress. So oh, she no, does no. a lot of Bigfoot research and she does a lot a lot of paranormal. She works with a couple of other people. Yeah. Now she does you you've heard of remote viewing. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's a remote viewer. And I did I asked her could she do some remote viewing for me? And so I just gave her the area of where this happened, like the postcode, the zip code, and roughly hmm. the year and the time of year that it happened. Okay. I gave it two different locations. She's not time bound. She's not time no. space bound. Okay. No. So these are, you can go back when you remote view, you can go back to any time at any location, regardless. It's like a DVD. You can go anywhere on the DVD in the, in the movie and and look yep. at it, and it's yep. not bound by time or space. You don't have to go through the whole story to get to that spot. You can just go to no, the spot. No, you can kind of like as long as you got the rough, roughly time and time of year or whatever. Then that I don't know that much about. I just know right time. It's time location, it. time location, and yeah, other, you know, yeah, yeah. So that the all that side to it is right over my head, but. <laughs> Anyway, so she did this remote viewing for me. So I'll give you the two locations, the two different times. And she actually sent me the data. So I've printed it off and laminated it. And you can't see it, but I've got it up on the wall there. And the stuff that she was coming back with, it was quite, I'd say, mind-blowing. The one bit was that I apparently have some missing time. So I didn't. This was after all of this came out, but not the helicopter bit because I'd forgot about that. The helicopter bit—that's when after the remote view, that's when that started coming back to me as being part of this initial um, encounter. So there's a bit where I've got missing time, and another bit where she picked up that I'm being observed. Not by government, but by something else. And that's what I've always believed due to other things that have gone on, which I will be talking about today. And I think this is part of the missing time. So whether it was the day when I was out on my bike or during this helicopter encounter before I was going out doing some shopping with my mum. I've, it's all around that same time period. That's what I believe. And it's just... So I'm just trying to see if we can see it from here. It's kind of blacked out. But it just, to me, that joined the dots. It made it all make more sense. Because, like I said, now, I don't ever believe that that was the helicopter. That was them mm-hmm. coming back to observe me for whatever so reason. Probably- it was probably something. Oh, I'm not going to. I mean, I'm, I'm making something up. Yeah, yeah. But it could be that it was something that was at least real in your mind, so you could accept whatever you were looking at. Because apparently, yeah. what you were looking at, or seeing, or experiencing, was not real, and there was no way to hold on to it. So probably that's how that happens. Possibly, and they're showing we you things. We do that in dreams, for example. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, well, yeah, go ahead. 
Sorry, as you can say, I think they show me something that I can relate to that I understand because I know how helicopters work, like with the flying, the manoeuvres and all that. It's something that I was used to, something that I used to see on a regular basis. So did they give me a false screen to help me understand what was going on? Because up until that, up until I was, well, up until 2008, the only operation I ever had was when I was six years old and I had my tonsils removed. Mm. And then, so I just, I'm going to jump forward quite a bit, but this is still in relation to everything that I've just been speaking about. Um, when I was living in Milton Keynes in Buckinghamshire, um, just a bit further south from where I am, I woke up one, well, I didn't even wake up, it was the middle of the night, and for some reason, I just felt something in my nose. It's in the right nostril. And I was literally short, well, elbow deep inside my nose trying to get this thing out. And I managed to pull this little tube out. It's probably about a centimetre long. And I, I'd say three millimetres thick. So the outside of this tube was a millimetre. So that's your two mil straight away. And then I'd say it's a millimetre gap in the middle. And it was, it was a tiny tube. So you can imagine a centimetre by three millimetres. Just this little, I suppose, like tic-tac shape object. Sorry. And you know when you cut yourself and you can smell the blood on you? So I I could see, even though it was dark, I could see that my hand was covered in blood where I've pulled this thing out of the side of my nose. But because I was that tired, I just put this little tube on the on the bedside table and it is a pure white unit so to me i'd see it there'd be blood on there there'd be blood off my fingers blood off this tube anyway the next morning when i woke up there was nothing there there's no blood on my hands no blood on the pillow and the tube had gone and there's no reason why it would have moved because i'd placed it where i know it wouldn't roll off I either put, I put either between two things or behind something so it wouldn't go anywhere, and the next morning it had gone. And part of that remote viewing that I'd had done, uh, it came up that I'd either was going to have, have had, or do have some ET implant, and I believe that that's where it, that's what it was, hmm. and I know it wasn't anything. For a medical, um, like surgery or anything, no, nobody's doing anything like that. I've only had my tonsils removed, so <laughs> who's going to be putting some? And I've never yeah. had any tubes up my nose, nothing um, like that. There's only I mean, like, even if you had surgery and it was it was supposed to be in your nose, they would take it out before you yeah. awakened. <laughs> but yeah, so where that came from, you know what? otherwise you'd be, rich, you'd be rich as hell. Because you would have sued the hospital. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but then where did where did this object go? I don't know. Oh, I mean, I can speculate, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to speculate. No, I think it, they took it back. Whoever they yeah. are, that's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah, and there are there are other things to it. I was having dreams that on a regular basis there was an oldish guy i'd say in his late 60s bald head great the size gray mustache bit of a stubble 
And every time I'd see, see him in these dreams, he'd say mm. to me, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be able to be seeing any of this. And the, I'd be seeing lights and all this stuff. Mm. I suppose like intergalactic Star Wars going on above me, all these different crafts and lights flying about and orbs and just all sorts. And I'd just be watching them, but then it'd get so intense, I'd have to go inside the building to get away from it. But then this guy would start chasing me. So then I'd have to keep running. Then eventually I'd wake up. But it was different dreams, but with the same guy and the same message every single time. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I don't recognize this bloke at all. He's no relation, not a friend, not somebody that I, I could put a name to. So just to complicate things even more, <laughs> they put that in the mix. So, <laughs> I know, I know. Don't, I, I honestly, I don't know. I know what's gone on, but I couldn't tell you what any of it is. Well, and I think, I think the the uh, and and that for people that listen to this show and your shows and, and many of these types of shows, yeah, um, it's not that they're proof. But what they are is they're an example of the kinds of experiences that many, possibly all people have, yeah. but not many people ever talk about them. No. And I think if, if more people came forward and started talking about what was going on, we would have an absolutely different environment that we live in now. Oh, definitely. definitely. This, is like, this is one of those secrets. It would be like, if there's a big secret, this yep. would be it. This is the big secret. Everyone is having these experiences, but very few people are, are either they're afraid to talk about it or, and you know what's interesting about the way you tell the stories because you show that in many ways it doesn't make any sense. And so if you start telling the story, uh, you might as well be, be drunk or something with a bunch of people because yeah. you cannot tell the that- story. That's how it feels. It's like some drunken Saturday night out that only happened inside my head. Yeah. It just, there's nothing, it makes no sense until all these other things, and it kind of still doesn't make that much sense, but with these other experiences that have gone on as well, that kind of links them all together. Well, you if know, the interesting, the interesting thing about this is, um, and I'm not going to talk too much about this, but um, right now, I'm, I, uh, well, you don't know a lot about my background, but right. let's just say that, that I read a lot of the um, Vedic scriptures and, and spend right. a great deal of time uh, reading them. Right now, I'm reading the Brahma Sutras. The interesting thing about this yeah. Is that the thought is, or the the basic premise, is that matter is not real. Okay. Consciousness is real. Yeah. Experiences are part of consciousness, but they're not real. And so, and the person who's having the experience is not real. Okay. I know. I know that's a lot to take. Right. But the point I'm making is this: if that's true. Then the then then the real the real problem is that everyone is experiencing a little bit of quote unquote reality, yeah. But the bigger 
part of the whole thing is that it's very fluid and not really there. Okay, and I, I'm not going to go any farther on this because I know it sounds crazy. But what happens is when a person has an experience like you're talking about, yeah. the first thing that everyone says, oh, I never had that experience. Now, remember what I told you about the big secret? Well, the big secret is, well, actually, they have had an experience like that, but they don't talk about it. But why don't they yeah. talk about it? Because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to try to make sense yeah. out of it. When you can't make sense out of these things in our quote unquote reality. That's yeah. all I want to say about that. Yeah. No, well, it's like I can't make sense of it. I just know what's happened. But exactly. on the plus side of all this, I never felt any negative things coming from it. Sure. I'm not saying everything was positive, but I don't recall anything being bad. I don't recall, other than the dreams, I didn't, don't, never got scared. There was one which is in the other picture. You don't have to show it just yet. That's one of the, like the metal ball in the sky. That was the only one really that freaked me out. out of, even with the UFO being directly above my head. Right. And the helicopter, they weren't as, they didn't freak me out as much as this metal ball did. Okay, so we that have doesn't to make sense. We yeah. have to show it because <laughs> leave everybody thinking what you're talking about. All right, so, so let's look at this. Yeah, right. Okay, so this the isn't a photograph. This, this is something that I pulled off Google with the okay. nearest thing to it. So remember. So when so this, saying, uh, let me interrupt for one second. Right. So this is not actually the metal ball that you saw, but this is the no. best you could find on the internet that would explain what you saw. It's it, if I was to take a photo of what I'd seen, this would be the photo. Put it that okay. way. All yeah, right. So this would be the image. So where I was in the house and I pulled that whatever it was out my nose, I believe it to be some sort of tracking device. Possibly, I don't know. So this is roughly around the same time that year. Same, I'd say it was summer because I know I was off work for a week. What a, a year you had. Oh, there's a lot more to it. This is just like 1% of what went on. So we had, we had people rabbits. People pay a lot of money for drugs to have these experiences. <laughs> well, we can have it. It's, if you want to take it, it, they're more than welcome. So we used to have rabbits in the back garden in a double hutch. So every morning I'd go in, check the water, feed them, let them run around in the garden. So I'd gone out one morning, had a cup of coffee with me. Um, it was a nice morning, it's like shorts and t-shirt, probably about, uh, it's summer, so it's probably about 75 degrees at Celsius. Um, you know when... It's like you're driving down the road and you can feel the people in the car at the side you know, looking at you. I was getting that sensation. And I'm just looking. It's a blue sky. There's no clouds. And I'm just, I just started looking to like south, southwest-ish kind of way. So I'm looking. Yeah, so it's southwest. So I was just working out me directions and i've seen this what looks like this in the sky it was a few miles away i'd say it was at least four miles away 
I couldn't tell you how big it was, uh, how high up in the sky it was, because there's no, nothing to reference it on. Like I said, there's no buildings, there's no clouds, it's just this metal ball in the sky. So I'm watching it, I'm looking at the rabbits, and I look back up and it's still there, and it just, it never moved. It was just in that same spot every single time. And like I said, I'd turn away, do something else, look back up, it was still there. So I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, it's a bit strange. It's There's definitely something going on. And then I managed, got the rabbits back in, and looked again, it's still there. And it's like, right, it's a bit creepy. So I went back in the house and then did what we did for that day. Next morning, same routine. Went out, checked the rabbits, looked up. Same thing in the exact same spot. Or if it weren't the exact same spot, it was in the same direction. I'll so this this up. next day, this is this is twenty four hours later. Nobody roughly around the same time that you know about saw this except you. I didn't didn't ask anyone. I just didn't yeah. think anything of it. And so I'm looking up and I see it again. And then I got this was when I got the worst feeling ever was. That's watching me. That that I got the the message, the gut feeling that this is there to observe me and nobody else. Um, I'm like, I was at the point now. Even now, I get that horrible feeling that I just came straight back in the house. I left the rabbit. I didn't even bother getting the rabbits back in the hutch. I just like went back in the house. I told my partner that was with at the time. I told her about it yesterday. Uh, I told her about what had happened the day before, and then I said, it's there again. I goes, I cannot go out in the garden. I f- it feels like they're watching me. Whatever's there, they're observing me. Mm. And it was just the most horrible feeling I've ever felt because of where it was, how high up it was in the distance. It's like that it must have been able to cover thousands and thousands of people. And I just knew it was watching me and nobody else. And I think then the rest of the week, I didn't go out into the back garden the rest of the week. But then at night, it wasn't there. I did go out, obviously. I had to go out in the garden and do stuff. Excuse me. I didn't see it at night. It could have been there, I don't know. But I don't think I looked up in that direction during the day for a few weeks. But that was the worst, that was a horrible, one of those feelings. I can't explain the feeling. I can only do the actions of how I, how it was at the time. Didn't, just didn't like it. It huh. was, no, that wasn't nice. Well, Andy, I think we've, <laughs> we've, hit, our, we've hit our time limit here. Um, first of all, let me ask you this. Uh, can yeah. you come back? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Not a problem. Um, the second Anything. thing I want to ask you is this. Yeah. Um, people can uh, can find you on YouTube. There's a uh, one of the areas. They can probably yeah. put your name in under YouTube. It'll probably show up. You also have this on Facebook. And let's see, you do have that uh, 12th Dimension. 12th Dimension, yeah. So this, that, this one is my personal Facebook well, it's my public Facebook account, I should say. Okay. So you can add me as a friend, follow me, and put stuff on there each 
day each week. Some of it, it's not all to do with the paranormal and supernatural. Sometimes you just sat there bored and I'll just put a load of memes up that I, I think are funny. <laughs> um, but then with Instagram uh, and Link- in LinkedIn as well, it's all Andy D Codes. And I'm quite impressed with this because I ended up buying the domain andydecodes.com. Oh, okay. Oh, it didn't even cost me $2. So I was very, (laughs) very impressed with that. So now because I own that and I can put it to all the different platforms, if you type Andy D Codes into Google, I I was the first seven on the first page. So I thought that that was a good $2, £2 well spent. (laughs) <laughs> or one dollar fifty or whatever it was. So yeah, if you just type it in on Google, you'll find a or some of the platforms, and on each platform there are links to the other platform and so on. So, if you wanted to say anything to people about any of what we talked about or anything else, I want to give you the floor for a few minutes if you want. Yeah, I think if you have an encounter that might seem bad what might what might be bad for one person could be the best day in the life for the next person that has the exact or a very similar encounter don't be scared to talk to people about it i i don't go around shouting about it i only talk to people who are like-minded and open about what i've experienced and what's gone on because it's not just ufos there's a lot of paranormal stuff that i've encountered as well but just find the right type of people is I think is what I'm trying to say to talk about because you I think you do need to open up and tell people what you've experienced. Um whether then people might think that you complete raving lunatic or whatever, but it that doesn't matter. You know what you've you've encountered, you know the experience you had, you know how it made you feel, and you know that it was real, regardless of what anybody else thinks. Just take that and make what you can of it. Don't let it, don't let it put you off from expressing it. Perfect. Is what I'm trying to say, and that's it, really. Andy, thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Timeless Voyager. You know, I really appreciate you watching and listening to the series on both video and audio players. One thing you can do for me as the founder and creator of Timeless Voyager is to hit that like button. Also, please subscribe. You know, it really helps to keep me on the air so that I can keep producing content like the program you just watched on a regular basis. Subscribing and liking are free, and this is important. There's no obligation, and those very small actions on your part are greatly appreciated. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one.